0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 133. Today's big Bible question How do we pray through the Psalms? So, hello, friends, and happy Lord's Day to all of you. Some of us will have the privilege of worshiping together in person today, and some, like us in California, we're still in quarantine. Well, wherever you fall along that spectrum, I pray that the Lord would bless you and keep you safe, that he would preserve your life and give you a wonderful gathering today. I'm excited about our own church gathering, even though it's a live stream at our church, which is a Valley Baptist Church in Salinas, California. We have had some wonderful times meeting together over the internet, primarily because so many church members have been able to participate, like six, eight, ten each week. It's been really awesome. We've got some, we've had some great times of interactive prayer and there's just been so many encouraging testimonies by video and uh, zooming in with us and on Facebook live and such. And we've even had multiple worship leaders lead us via video. Of course, it's not as great as being together in person, but honestly, I still really look forward to our gathering every week and even our Wednesday night gathering. We'd love to have you join us. Come on in at 11 a.m. Pacific Sunday. On Facebook Live, just go search for VBC Salinas, that's Victor Bravo Charlie, VBC Salinas on Facebook, like our page and you'll be alerted when we go live, or you can just go and check out the recording that's posted there. Today, Robert Murray McShane, the original author of the Bible reading plan we are following this year, Dundee, Scotland's favorite son. Well, he decided to get a little creative. Well, creative or crazy, I'm not actually sure which one. Our readings are Numbers 19, Psalms 56 and 57, Isaiah 8, and Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 7, and James 2. Well, that's okay, I guess. Tomorrow the readings are even uh, more interesting, so stay tuned for that. Do remember that the next few episodes of the Bible Reading Podcast might be a little shorter than normal as I am preparing for a brief road trip this week to Colorado and recording some episodes ahead of time. Yesterday was a fake shorter episode that ended up being about average in length. I do think this episode will legit be shorter. Now that said, never, ever, ever, this is a pro tip, never trust a preacher's estimate of time. Mine in particular, I'm not preachers in general are pretty horrible at estimating time. That's why they'll say, Okay, I'm about to close. And then 20 minutes later, you're like, Well, where's the closing? Well, I'm one of the worst at that. I try not to lie, but honestly, I just, I guess I don't understand how time works very well, especially when I'm talking. So this will probably be short, but if I keep rambling like this, who knows? I have found that the Psalms have been particularly comforting to me as we have been going through this pandemic quarantine time. I don't live and fight myself daily battles with anxiety and fear, generally speaking. But honestly, these last few weeks, they have really definitely increased the levels of anxiety and fear and frustration in my life, and probably yours too, if you're being honest. As things have progressed, though... I've also found great comfort and assurance in reading through the Psalms and praying through them. And and let me say this, I didn't used to. I mean, I've always liked the Psalms, you know, I've always been familiar with them. I've read through the Psalms several times, had a great class on Psalms in seminary. But in terms of like reading them every day and praying through the Psalms, that's just never been my thing. Honestly, I've always been more of a New Testament guy and even had some friends Uh, that were Old Testament scholars kind of make fun of me for that. I mean, I love the New Testament, love the Old Testament too, but I've just always been a New Testament guy. But man, I'm telling you, the Psalms have been so great for me these past seven or eight weeks. uh, I wake up every day and like the first thing I do, man, I'm getting into one of the Psalms and reading it and uh, tr- not necessarily trying to memorize it, but tr- trying to chew on it during the day and think back to what the psalm said. And it's been really great for me to do that. And I would encourage you, if you're fighting anxiety or fear or frustration or whatever negative emotion, go to battle with the Word of God and grab a few of these psalms and take them and input them into your heart and mind and thinking. It's been good for me. Well, I learned from uh, Santa Barbara pastor Ben Patterson via uh, Gospel Coalition writer Kevin DeYoung an excellent way that's very simple to pray through the Psalms. And I want to share it with us now. In fact, I'll just go ahead and read a little part of Kevin DeYoung's article from the Gospel Coalition. He says this, sometimes it's the simplest things that make the biggest difference. For many years, I've used the three R's I learned from Ben Patterson to pray through scripture. This simple tool has helped me pray the Bible more than any other single strategy. I've used it in my devotional times and have employed it often in leading others in prayer. Here are the three R's. Number one, rejoice. Number two, repent. Number three, request. With every verse or passage in the Bible, we can do at least one of these, says DeYoung, or more likely, all of the three. We can rejoice and thank God for his character and blessings. We can repent of our mistakes and sins, and we can request, ask for new mercies and help. So that's the simplest but honestly most profound way to pray through the scriptures that I know of. So let's read Psalms 57 and then take the three R's and apply it there. Psalm 57, this is uh, verses 1 through 7. Be gracious to me, God, be gracious to me, for I take refuge in you. I will seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. I call to God Most High, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. He reaches down from heaven and saves me, challenging the one who tramples me. Selah. God sends his faithful love and truth I'm surrounded by lions. I lie down among devouring lions, people whose teeth are spears and arrows, whose tongues are sharp swords. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. They prepared a net for my steps, and I was despondent. They dug a pit ahead of me, but they fell into it. Say, Loth, My heart is confident, God. My heart is confident. I will sing. I will sing praises. Wake up, my soul. Wake up, harp and lyre. I will wake up the dawn. I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches the clouds. God, be exalted above the heavens. Let your glory be over the whole earth. So if I wanted to take the three R's and apply it to this passage. I start with rejoicing. Why rejoicing first? Well, because the Bible says we enter into the presence of God with thanksgiving. So right when we come into the doors of prayer, we should be thanking him. And so I can go through this passage and my eyes fall down to verse 11. I'm sorry, verse 10. Your faithful love is as high as the heavens. Thank you, God. I Rejoice that your faithful love is as high as the heavens. I rejoice, O God, that your faithfulness reaches the clouds. I can go to verse 3. Thank you, God. I rejoice that you reach down from heaven and you save me. You challenge the one who tramples me. Thank you, God, that in the midst of this pandemic and quarantine where everybody's shaking and afraid. Thank you, God. From verse 1 that I can take refuge in you, that I can seek refuge in the shadow of your wings until danger passes. Thank you, God, that you are safety for me. I can rejoice in that. But I also need to repent because the fact of the matter is, God, I don't always take refuge in you. Lord, forgive me that I don't always flee to Christ. I don't always run to you when I'm anxious or worried or scared. When there is danger all around me, I don't always flee to you. I don't always run to you. Sometimes I trust other things more than you. Forgive me, God, for that. I repent. I want to turn to you first as my refuge. And then I can go to the third R. I can request. I can say, God, in the midst of what's going on with people getting sick all over God, please be a refuge to my family. Your word says you are. I trust you. I believe you. Please protect us. Please keep us from sickness. Please surround us from your loving kindness, Lord. There are people that try to devour us. The, The word says, I'm surrounded by lions. And Father, your word says in the New Testament that Satan is a, is a lion that prowls around trying to destroy christians lord i pray i request that you protect me and my family and my the church i'm a part of from the enemy lord be our refuge in jesus name amen well see that's that was i was really praying of course not just using that as an example but the three R's are so simple. It's such a simple way to get into the Word. And I just pumped that I only recently actually learned about the three R's. Uh, I don't know, four or five years ago, something like that. And I was only, I, I probably had, had almost forgotten that. And this year was reminded of it when I was going through the Psalms again. So I commend that to you, brothers and sisters, as a wonderful way in a simple way, and a memorable way, of praying through the word of God. Beginning with rejoicing, R number one is rejoice, R number two is repent, R number three is request, rejoice, repent, request. What a great way to pray through the word of God. Numbers chapter 19 verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. This is the legal statute that the Lord has commanded. Instruct the Israelites to bring you an unblemished red cow that has no defect and has never been yoked. Give it to the priest Eleazar and he will have it brought outside the camp and slaughtered in his presence. The priest Eleazar is to take some of its blood with his finger and sprinkle it seven times towards the front of the tent of meeting. The cow is to be burned in his sight. Its hide, flesh, and blood are to be burned along with its waste. The priest is to take cedar wood, hyssop, and crimson yarn and throw them into the fire where the cow is burning. Then the priest must wash his clothes and bathe his body in water. After that, he may enter the camp, but he will remain ceremonially unclean until evening. The one who burned the cow must also wash his clothes and bathe his body and he will remain unclean until evening. A man who is clean is to gather up the cow's ashes and deposit them outside the camp in a ceremonially clean place. The ashes will be kept by the Israelite community for preparing the water to remove impurity. It is a sin offering. Then the one who gathers up the cow's ashes must wash his clothes and he will remain unclean until evening. This is a permanent statute for the Israelites and for the alien who resides among them. The person who touches any human corpse will remain unclean, will be unclean for seven days. He is to purify himself with the water on the third day and the seventh day, then he will be clean. But if he does not purify himself on the third and seventh days, he will not be clean. Anyone who touches a body of a person who has died and does not purify himself defiles the tabernacle of the Lord. That person will be cut off from Israel. He remains unclean because the water for impurity has not been sprinkled on him and his uncleanness is still on him. This is the law when a person dies in a tent. Everyone who enters the tent and everyone who is already in the tent will be unclean for seven days, and any open container without a lid tied on it is unclean. Anyone in the open field who touches a person who has been killed by the sword or has died, or even touches a human bone or a grave will be unclean for seven days. For the purification of the unclean person, they are to take some of the ashes of the burnt sin offering and put them in a jar And add fresh water to them. A person who is clean is to take hyssop, dip it in the water, and sprinkle the tent, all the furnishings, and the people who were there. He is also to sprinkle the one who touched a bone, a grave, a corpse, or a person who had been killed. The one who is clean is to sprinkle the unclean person on the third day and the seventh day. After he purifies the unclean person, on the seventh day the one being purified must wash his clothes and bathe in water, and he will be clean by evening. But a person who is unclean and does not purify himself, that person will be cut off from the assembly because he has defiled the sanctuary of the Lord. The water for impurity has not been sprinkled on him, he is unclean. This is a permanent statute for them. The person who sprinkles the water for impurity is to wash his clothes and whoever touches the water for impurity will be unclean until evening. Anything the unclean person touches will become unclean, and anyone who touches it will be unclean until evening. Psalm chapter 56, verse 1. Be gracious to me, God, for a man is trampling me. He fights and oppresses me all day long. My adversaries trample me all day, for many arrogantly fight against me. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, in God whose word I praise. In God I trust. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? They twist my words all day long. All their thoughts against me are evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps while they wait to take my life. Will they escape in spite of such sin? God, bring down the nations in wrath. You yourself have recorded my wanderings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will retreat on the day when I call. This I know. God is for me. In God whose word I praise, in the Lord whose word I praise, in God I trust, I will not be afraid. What can mere humans do to me? I am obligated by vows to you, God. I will make my thanksgiving sacrifices to you, for you rescued me from death, even my feet from stumbling, to walk before God in the light of life. Isaiah chapter 8. Then the Lord said to me, Take a large piece of parchment and write on it with an ordinary pen. Meher Shalal Hashbaz, I have appointed trustworthy witnesses, the priest Uriah and Zacharias son of Jeberakiah. I was then intimate with the prophetess, and she conceived and gave birth to the son. The Lord said to me, Name him Meher Shalal Hashbaz, for before the boy knows how to call father or mother, the wealth of Damascus and the spoils of Samaria will be carried off to the king of Assyria. The Lord spoke to me again. Because these people rejected the slowly flowing water of Sheloah and rejoiced with Resin and the son of Remaliah, the Lord will certainly bring against them the mighty rushing water of the Euphrates River, the king of Assyria, and all his glory. it will overflow its channels and spill over all its banks. It will pour into Judah, flood over it, and sweep through, reaching up to the neck and its flooded banks will fill your entire land, Emmanuel. Band together, peoples, and be broken. Pay attention, all you distant lands. Prepare for war and be broken. Prepare for war and be broken. Devise a plan. It will fail. Make a prediction. It will not happen, for God is with us. Do not call everything a conspira... Oh, sorry, verse 11. For this is what the Lord said to me with great power to keep me from going the way of this people. Do not call everything a conspiracy that these people say is a conspiracy. Do not fear what they fear. Do not be terrified. You are to regard only the Lord of armies as holy. Only he should be feared. Only he should be held in awe. He will be a sanctuary. But for the two houses of Israel, he will be a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over and a trap and a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Many will stumble over these. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured, bind up the testimony, seal up the instruction among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord who is hiding his face from the house of Jacob. I will wait for him. Here I am with the children the Lord has given me to be signs and wonders in Israel from the Lord of armies who dwells on Mount Zion. When they say to you, inquire of the mediums and the spiritists who chirp and mutter, shouldn't a people inquire of their God? Should they inquire of the dead on behalf of the living go to God's instructions and testimony if they do not ex- speak according to this word there will be no dawn for them they will wander through the land dejected and hungry when they are famished they will become enraged and looking upward will curse their king and their god they will look toward the earth and see only distressed darkness and the gloom of affliction and they will be driven into thick darkness nevertheless Chapter 9 verse 1, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times when he humbled the land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali. But in the future he will bring honor to the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, and to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, and as they rejoiced when dividing spoils, for you have shattered their oppressive yoke, and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian, for every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders." He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forever. The zeal of the Lord of Armies will accomplish this. James chapter 2, verse 1. My brothers and sisters, do not show favoritism as you hold on to the faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. For if someone comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and dressed in fine clothes, and a poor person dressed in filthy clothes also comes in, if you look with favor on the one wearing the fine clothes and say, sit here in a good place, and yet you say to the poor person, stand over there, Or sit here on the floor by my footstool. Haven't you made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, didn't God choose the poor in this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? Yet you've dishonored the poor. Don't the rich oppress you and drag you into court? Don't they blaspheme the good name that was invoked over you? Indeed, If you fulfill the royal law prescribed in the scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you're doing well. If, however, you show favoritism, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the entire law and yet stumbles at one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. So if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you are a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of freedom. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but does not have works? Can such faith save him? If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith, if it does not have works, is dead by itself. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without works and I will show you faith by my works. You believe that God is one good. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Senseless person! Are you willing to learn that faith without works is useless? Wasn't Abraham, our father, justified by works? In offering Isaac, his son, on the altar, you see that faith was active together with his works, and by works, faith was made complete. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, wasn't Rahab, the prostitute, also justified by works in receiving the messengers, and sending them out by a different route. For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so also faith without works is dead. Well, brothers and sisters, that's a very controversial passage, and if this were a theological podcast, we'd go deep into it. But I think a good place to end is saying simply this, the proclamation of the word of God. Faith without works is dead. May it be that our faith is full of the works that come from the gospel and the transformation of the blood of Jesus. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he give you a wonderful Lord's day. Good day to you in God's